It's Monday, April 11th, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes. Hoynesy, we waited around and waited around and waited around, and the Guardians finally did it. They finally uh, put together a couple of big innings from the first inning on Sunday. Uh, they scored six times and uh, went on to win 17-3. to three. Uh, It was the offense that we were sort of all sitting around waiting to see uh, after the first two games where they scored one run in 19 innings. Uh, It was just really great to see that. Uh, It gave gave us a lot of hope, but uh, it's uh, it's a familiar sort of feeling uh, from from last season. Yeah, that feast or famine uh, feeling, Joe. Uh, You know, hopefully... You know, uh, the Guardians can, you know, build off this, get a little, show a little more consistency and, uh, you know, and spread these runs around, you know, don't, 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 don't score them all in one, in one game a week, you know, they just, uh, you know, spread the wealth and, uh, but it was interesting, you know, before the game, Terry Francona was saying, you know, uh, we're really in the fourth week of spring training. And, you know, that kind of struck me because, you know, once you leave spring training, you forget all about it. But really, under normal circumstances, they are. So I guess, you know, games like the first two games in Kansas City and even games like Sundays are, you know, they happen in spring training, you know, kind of yeah. you know, those aberration, uh, aberrations. So, um, you know, maybe maybe uh, things will settle down after, you know, we get six weeks in or, you know, a couple more weeks into the regular season. Well, for as bad as the the, the first two losses uh, were in the opener and and the game on Saturday, uh, the the bounce back on Sunday certainly did you know have a have a feel good sort of sense to them. Uh, the it's just sort of the the big theme, I guess, is you know there's the possibility uh, in <laughs> that the the American League Rookie of the Year was playing in uh, in that series in those first three games. Uh, just happens to be uh, not the guy with the, the marquee name in Bobby Witt Jr., but but Stephen Kwan. Uh, you got to look at uh, the the effort there. Uh, now I'm I'm being facetious, obviously. I don't I don't really think that Stephen Kwan is is going to keep the momentum going and and win Rookie of the Year. Uh, you know, considering, but you know, hey, it's it's fun to dream. It's fun to think about. Uh, the way Quan is going right now, he's batting 800. He's eight for 10 in his first three major league games. He's got an 1857 OPS and a 433 OPS plus uh, league average is 100. So, I mean, he, it, it's, he's really played well, Joe. I mean, and it's it's not like, you know, he jumped out, up and surprised anybody. This is a kid that, what, hit 463 in spring training, over 400 in spring training didn't strike out in over 30 at bats. And uh, we're seeing the same kind of player the first three games of, uh, you know, the regular season. Uh, yesterday was, you know, he, he made history yesterday. I mean, you know, uh, what four runs, five hits. Uh, you know, he reaches base six straight times. He's reached base 12 times in his first three games. You know, no player, that, that's more times, or at least as many times as any player has since uh, the modern era in 1901. So, you know, the, the kid is doing something right. He's, I like him. Uh, he's gone from like seventh in the batting order. Now he's hitting second in the last two games. And, you know, he can, you know, Francona was saying he can hit anywhere. And, you know, uh, yesterday, I mean, four straight singles, he gets hit by a pitch, then he hits a double. 
Yeah, and it's it's sort of and he he said what did he say afterwards? It's 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 why it's crazier than any fever dream that he could ever uh you know dream up or or he's he's just living in his his wildest imaginations right now. Uh to we we all sort of saw it based on his performance in, in spring training coming was that we we thought that you know this is a guy to keep an eye on and every every time uh, you did a radio hit or you you put together a, a preview package you looked at it and you said well let's let's mention Stephen Kwan as a as a guy who if he gets a chance to play and he's certainly getting a chance to play uh, because over the weekend they the, the Guardians traded away Bradley Zimmer we talked about uh, you know the reasons why Bradley Zimmer was never able to to catch on it's it's like he's the opposite of Stephen Kwan right now Stephen Kwan just puts the bat on the ball puts the ball in play and and gets you know the results that you would you had hoped you would have seen out of uh you know a high draft pick like a, a Bradley Zimmer this is what you're getting out of of Stephen Kwan right now uh he's gonna keep playing I I, I mean Terry Francona should not take this kid out of the lineup under any circumstances a, because he's only got three outfielders on the roster right now, but B, because he's he's the hottest hitter in probably in the American League. Right. He played against a lefty. You know, he's a left-handed hitter. You know, he starts the first two games against right-handers. Then Kansas City starts a lefty and Chris uh, Bubik. Uh, Sunday, he starts against him. You know, opens, you know, uh, straw, straw, you know, Miles Straw opens the game with a with the leadoff walk. Then Quan uh, follows with a single. You know, it's the guy that makes contact, doesn't strike out, and uh, you know has really kind of just found a groove. Now we got to wait to see here. You know, like two, three, four, five weeks into the season, where he is. The scouting reports could get. You know, uh, uh, teams start making in-depth studies on him, and the scouting reports improve. But uh, right now, he's having a great. It's, it's a great way to uh, start the season. And it's what the Indians or the uh, the Guardians need. They they really need this kind of shot in the arm here. Yeah, usually those scouting reports will will show a team how to get a guy out. Uh, it's, the funny thing is, you have to you have to have a, a couple of outs on on uh, on film, and and you know you don't really have too many outs from Stephen Kwan on film right now. Uh, you know, he's, he's I think he's only got four, or you know, he's got two. He's only got two recorded outs this season. Uh, and, and neither of them are obviously by strikeout because he doesn't, he doesn't do that. Uh, I, I think he and Ahmed Rosario are among the, the league leaders in pitches seen without, uh, without a swing and miss. I think they're very, both of them are very high, like, uh, uh, you know, 20 plus, uh, pitches seen without, a, a swing or miss. So yeah, it, it, he, he'll be, you know, in that, that batting order again, for sure. Uh, you know, for for weeks to come uh and and don't don't fool yourself uh that adjustment is coming the the league will adjust and 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 he'll go through a stretch i'm sure uh no no hitter is is uh you know slump proof or anything like that but it's it's how he makes that next adjustment and uh you know i it, it looks like he's going to be able to do that yeah, he's living the dream right now. His parents are here in Kansas City. You know, they get to see him have this great, uh, you know, great opening, open, uh, great way to open the season with this uh, these first three games in this four game series. And uh, you talk to him, and he looks like he's like stunned by all this. You know, he he says, "I've never had this much uh, media attention. 
you know, the guys are, you know, the, the, his, his teammates have really supported him. Um, Ernie Clement had changed his, put his picture on his Instagram, um, you know, his Instagram uh, file. Uh, so he got, because he said he's his hero. <clears throat> I think, uh, I think Tristan McKenzie did the same thing. I think it's a, a trend around the clubhouse is, uh, you know, who's, who's your favorite player? Well, right now it's Steve Kwan. So they all put their, uh, their Twitter avatars as uh, Stephen Kwan. And, uh, you know, that's, that's actually with this generation of ballplayers, that's probably a pretty high compliment. That's, that's high praise from your teammates right there. Yeah, definitely. And so it's, <clears throat> they're having fun with it and, uh, and he's having fun, you know, so, uh, so just let it go, you know, ride the hot streak and see how long it lasts. Well, speaking of riding hot streaks, uh, Cleveland's starting pitching as well. Uh, even Shane Bieber, who went four and two thirds, uh, in the, the, uh, season opener, uh, you, you had Zach, uh, I'm sorry. You had Zach Plesak, uh, go what, uh, five innings, five six and two innings, thirds, scores. five and two thirds. He pitched into the sixth inning on, uh, on Saturday in a, in a tough, you know, tough, no decision there. And then Cal Quantrill, obviously the beneficiary of, uh, six runs in the first inning and he could, you know, settle in a lot quicker there. Uh, but all three Cleveland starters, and, and even Tristan McKenzie, when he came in, the first two innings uh, in that opener, he looked pretty dominant. Uh, it's, it was just when he started to get tired, and Terry Francona said he could see McKenzie sort of fatigue after uh, a couple of innings there. Um, it, you know, it, it, it says a lot of good things about the starters that, that they came in and performed the way they did, despite the, uh, the, the lack of offense in the first two games. Yeah, you know, and, uh, you know, Bieber gave him, I'm sure, he, he went 72 pitches, four and two-thirds, gave up one run, you know, and that was kind of tainted because, uh, you know, Rosario had the problem in the outfield on the, on the one ball. Uh, then, uh, you, like you said, Joe, police echoes five and two-thirds scoreless, you know, looked dominant. He threw, you know, 70 pitches, and it looked like he could have gone farther. You know, he, he looked great, and he was very, very efficient. And uh, Francona was saying, you get into the sixth inning with 70 pitches on that kind of, you know, controlled pitch count, you're doing a pretty good job. And then, of course, uh, Quantrill, like you said, went five, five innings and allowed two runs on four hits. And, you know, he, he, he was coasting. You know, every pitcher would love to start the game with a, with a six-run lead. Yeah, the, the telling stat that I pulled out from uh, uh, the first three games uh, Fangraphs war pitching war for uh, just starters. Uh, Cleveland's starting pitching staff through three games has a, a 0.5 war, and Kansas City, who won two of the three games, has a has a 0.2 war for their starters. So the uh, the Cleveland starters actually have a better pitching war than um, uh, Kansas City for the for through the through those first three games, uh, despite you know not winning two of the games. Uh, so it, it just something to keep an eye on. And also the, the pitchers that came in like McKenzie, uh, but you also had uh, Eli Morgan and Sam Hentges, who are uh, guys who have started in the past, uh, came in in relief of Quantrill and they both, you know, had shut down innings as well. Uh, Morgan went two, uh, Hentges went one. Uh, so uh, the, the guys, the, the depth guys who are going to come in behind the starters again in this second turn through the rotation after Aaron Savali today, uh, they look like they're pretty sharp as well. 
Yeah, the one, the bullpen really impressed me on uh, a Saturday, Joe, when uh, Polisak left after five and two-thirds, then Shaw, uh, Sandlin, uh, Trevor Steffen, and Anthony Ghost came in and, and, you know, just put up zeros, you know, really kind of a dominant thing. And Class, class A, you know, came in and, you know, gave up a couple hits and, and, and took the loss. But like you said earlier, he was starting a game, you know, he's coming in with a guy on second base. And I think they'd had about one runner on second base until then. So, you know, it really changed the outcome of the game, outcome of the game. And, you know, I saw, um, you know, Shaw pitched in the first two games. And as usual, he was in uh, Francona's office Sunday morning, petitioning to pitch again mm-hmm. uh, yesterday. And and uh, uh, Francona said, "No, <laughs> you're not pitching. You're not pitching three games in a row. You know, for the first three games of the season." So I, I would think we'd probably see him today if there's if there's reason. Well, the interesting thing with Shaw is that they used him and they told him they were going to use him as a bridge guy in that very first game. Uh, even if it was a short outing, they were going to bridge him between Bieber and uh, Tristan because they didn't want McKenzie coming in, uh, you know, sort of they, they wanted somebody to come in between uh, Bieber and McKenzie, and that was going to be Shaw. And Shaw's response was, boy, if they're going to pitch me, you know, one batter or, you know, an inning in a third or, you know, less than less than a full inning or, or less than, you know, you know, more than a handful of batters, then, uh, you know, I could make 145 appearances this year. He actually said that he thinks he's going to make 145 appearances. Uh, last year was his career high in 81, which led the big leagues. Uh, what's the over under? If I put the over under uh, at 80.5, uh, Brian Shaw appearances this year, what are you, are you taking the over or the under? <laughs> I'm taking the I'm taking the over on that one, Joe. I think I might take the over. Well, <laughs> as, I, he's as long as he holds up, yeah, he's certainly capable of it. That would uh, that would say a lot, yeah. He's kind of so, you know he's used uh, Tito's used him like he used Andrew Miller almost, yep. you know, just in any different situation, kind of like that wild card reliever. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see. I, I, obviously, early in the season. Uh, you know, roles are all up in the air. Uh, you know, let's give it a, a month, month and a half, and see how how things settle in, and and we'll uh, we'll we'll see what we like there. Obviously, you know, with the lineup, the the the, the same thing can be said. You know, we're waiting to see that he uh, Francona dropped Ahmed Rosario down into that number five spot, and it really paid off yesterday. Uh, you know, hitting behind Framil Reyes, Ahmed Rosario uh, four hits. And, and really just sort of looked like the Ahmed Rosario from the second half of the season last year. Yeah, just, uh, you know, the thing that always impresses me about him is just how fast he is, Joe. And he's big, but he can move when he gets, you know, kind of hits that fourth gear on the bases. You know, on a, on a routine grounder to second base in the fifth inning, he beat it out for an infield single. You know, the, the, the Royals reviewed it. He was still safe. And uh, Francona said that was his favorite play of the day just because he beat it out. And, you know, he, he you know, he, uh, he scored on uh, he scored from first on a double by uh, Owen Miller in the second inning. He can fly, man. And, and what he had six, six games last year with four or more hits. So he's already he's probably got an early start on it with uh, Sunday's game with uh, his first four hit game. All right. Uh, over the weekend, part of the big news for Cleveland. 
they locked up another core piece for five years. Uh, they gave a contract extension to Miles Straw in center field, five years, $25 million. Uh, a team, two team options that could keep him in Cleveland through 2028. Uh, this is big news, not just because, you know, they, they locked up and, and uh, you know, identified a core piece, but uh, it, it follows that same pattern that, uh, that Cleveland has, you know, done for, you know, 30 years or more in, in locking up guys uh, early, buying out a couple of years of uh, free agency and they're during their arbitration and, and really trying to put together that next core uh, is, is it possible that we're seeing just the tip of the iceberg here and that we're going to see more of these extensions handed out uh, on a, on a smaller basis while we've been sort of eyeballing this, you know, giant, you know, 300 pound gorilla in the room of, of a Shane Bieber contract, you know, maybe it's the, the little pieces that start adding up first. Yeah. You know, I think that, that's a good point, Joe, you know, you get class A, you get uh straw, you know, you, you sign the big dog with uh with, uh, you know, Jose Ramirez. And, um, you know, I don't know if anything else is going to happen, you know, this season, this year right now. I think most of the, uh, the extensions, you know, have been put to rest. But who knows? Maybe, maybe they were down the road on, on another guy that well, we don't know about. I mean, maybe when they get home, they'll, they'll announce something else. So, you know, but I would imagine they're done for the, for the season. But it's, it's something you could approach in the offseason. Or, you know, the, the start of next year. I mean, that's $195 million that they've committed to spending over the, uh, between now and possibly 2028. You're talking, uh, you know, significant is considering the, the moves that they didn't or weren't able to make in the offseason. Uh, they're, they're sort of having that, uh, that spending spree now instead. Uh, if the window is open, if the, if the uh, you know, the, the ticket booth is open. Who's who's in line for tickets right now? Who's who's lining up? Uh, who's the next guy uh, that that not? I'm not saying who's the next guy who should. We all know that Shane Bieber is the next guy who should get the the big contract extension. Who's the next guy that will get the next contract? The big contract, not the big, but the the next contract extension from from Cleveland. Because that's a, it. Have to be one of these pitchers, one of the starting pitchers, don't you think, Joe? I would think either Savali or, or Plesac, maybe Tristan. Tristan's young. Mm-hmm. You know that might be a guy they they, they would kind of target and and ask about and and to see if he was interested in it. But but he's he of the three of them would be the riskiest. I would think he would be the riskiest just because of the the health concerns, the injury, just just his his makeup. I don't see them giving him a a multi multi year extension anytime soon. Uh, throw Cal Quantrill into that mix, even though he's yeah. already in arbitration. Uh, and that's sort of the same argument with, with Bieber is, well, he's already a year into arbitration now. And the closer they get to free agency, the less likely they're going to be to sign these, these deals. So you're right. Uh, Plesak and Savali might be, you know, the next logical guys. Um, I'm thinking you're also possibly looking at a guy like a Fran Mill. If, uh, if, yeah. if, if he's open and willing, uh, to, to signing, then, you know, he's only just what touching, uh, arbitration or as well. So, you know, he might be a possibility. And even if they, if they like, uh, I would say in order 
uh, one of those two pitchers, Savali or Plesak, then Fran Mill, uh, then possibly Ahmed Rosario if they like his versatility, if they, they think that his, his bat is going to stay consistent. And I would even throw a guy like a Josh Naylor in there because Josh Naylor could, could work his way into a smaller type deal. Uh, they really, really like this kid as a, as a person and, and what he does in the clubhouse and what he brings. So uh, as long as his, they, they think that he's healthy and he can hit the ball enough, I think uh, Naylor's a possibility. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, the one thing I'd say about uh, Reyes is Scott Boros is his agent. Oh, so yep, Boros does not uh, go for extensions unless you really, really, you know, to, uh, bring a wheelbarrow of cash with you. So that might be a hold up there. Uh, but, you know, I, I, one general manager told me, you know, Scott isn't hard to deal with. You just got to give him everything he asks for. So if, <laughs> if, the, if the Indians are in a giving mood, maybe maybe they get a Fran Mill to, well, uh, to an extension. And, and here's another point that I brought up in the, the post that I, I put up today, uh, asking uh, our, our readers and our, our listeners, uh, you know, who they thought would get the next extension. Uh, Wander Franco had played 70 games when he got a, an 11-year, uh, you know, $180 million contract extension. Uh, Luis Robert had not made his major league debut yet, and he got a, an eight-year extension, uh, you know, to cover all of his uh, pre-arb and uh, arbitration uh, years. Uh, is a guy like a Gabriel Arias or a George Valera a possibility for an extension early on in their their career if they come up here and, and catch lightning in a bottle. Wow, that's a that's a great point. Uh I don't know if the the Guardians would do that with a kid that has never made a played a big league game. I would think uh you know that's you know the Rays have done it, but uh I don't know if the Cleveland would do it. I would think they would have to see get a little proof in the pudding to see just exactly how he handles the big leagues. Right. Yeah. And, and the only reason I really bring that up is because the Rays are more similar to Cleveland markets, you know, Cleveland's market and, and their ability to, to sign players. And that's why that, that contract to Wander Franco was so stunning, but I guess he's Wander Franco. He's the, the number one overall prospect at the time. And, you know, had all this uh, sort of hype and, and it really paid off. I mean, he, when he came up, he performed. So I could, I could see why it happened, but that it was so stunning that it happened out of, out of Tampa. Uh, you know, I just wanted to leave the door, the possibility open that maybe that next big contract isn't even on the, uh, the, the major league roster right now. Yeah. And you know, they did the uh, Cleveland did do that once with Danny Baez. Do you remember mm-hmm. Danny Baez, former closer, they signed him out of Cuba, and I think they signed him right away without him pitching in the big leagues to a four or five year deal. I well, think it was a four year deal, maybe with a club option. Well, there's there's your, there's your precedent. So uh, you know, four years though, you know, maybe Danny Baez was a little more advanced in age than uh, uh, Arias and uh, Valera are both uh, very young still right now. Even though they're you, you tend to forget that because they've they've sort of been in the front of our minds over the last uh, few seasons here. So uh, that, that's great. Okay, well, we're heading to Cincinnati. Uh, after this one, uh, I'll be down in the Queen City uh, for two games, two quick games before heading home for the, the home opener. We get uh, Shane Bieber and Tristan McKenzie on the mound. Hopefully the weather will be as nice as it's turned out to be 
in Kansas City for you over the last couple of days. Uh, you know that that opener was a little bit hairy, but it's been uh, it's been pretty nice uh, over the weekend. Yeah, it was seventy degrees yesterday, Joe. Uh, you know, it started to warm up uh, Saturday. Well, Thursday was a that was a nasty day, man. <laughs> that was really nasty. And uh, also, uh, you know, we know Zach Plesac is going to pitch the home opener against the Giants on on Friday, so that's something to look forward to. Yeah, it should be a lot of fun, and uh, hopefully, we get the uh, the same kind of uh, outing from Plesac as he uh, as he turned in on Saturday as well. All right, Hoinsey, we'll be uh, we'll be in touch uh, again. Uh, at some point tomorrow, and we'll uh, talk to you again here on the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. Good deal, Joe. 